This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is a Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae. Welcome to another installation of our Grief Survival Guide mini-series. This is Relief and the Leaf. Thank you so much for your support. Make sure you guys leave us a, rev- a review, a rate and review on Apple iTunes, as well as checking us out on Spotify. We are on Spotify, so check us out there if you would rather. And if you also would rather watch and listen, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Peluso to watch the video. And speaking of video, Cameo and I partnered up and we're doing a special 420 FaceTime video call. So you can call me and get stoned with me on 420 starting at 420 Eastern Standard. And we will also do a 420 Pacific. So 120 Pacific and 420 Eastern Standard. (laughs) Did I make it confusing? Basically 420 on both coasts. We will be doing live FaceTime calls on the Cameo app. Just download the app, search my name. And you guys can book me. We've lowered the prices now. So we are at a lower price. So you guys can chill with me. We can smoke a spliff. We can shoot the shit. I'll give you some advice. Maybe you can tell me a joke. We can hang out for a couple minutes and celebrate 420 together. That's the Cameo app. Hook your girl up. Get there. Type in the name. And we'll hang out together on 420. We'll blaze it in together. And don't forget... You guys still have an opportunity to save 15% on your entire purchase at Mudwater, M-U-D-W-T-R.com forward slash Jesse May. Use promo code Jesse May Mud and you can get 15% off your entire purchase. Definitely get the little whipper thing. I love their MCT powder and I drink Mudwater every day, every single day. I was really mad when I forgot it on my Aruba trip. So check it out. Jesse May Mud is the promo code and Jesse May uh, mudwater.com forward slash Jesse May for the link. And one more exciting, exciting venture. I've partnered up with Bite, the at-home alignment company that helps you straighten your teeth. So if you guys want to get your teeth a little bit straighter, you can do that with me with Bite. So basically just check out my IG story every day. I will post the link to get $25 for the impression kit, which is normally $95. So they're giving it to you for $25 and $100 off your aligners. So check my IG story for the code for that and the the link and the promo code will be Jesse May. And uh, if you guys have some crooked ass teeth like I do and you want to straighten them out, it's so easy. I did the impression kit last night on Happy Weeds Day and it was hilarious. <laughs> Debbie, my assistant Debbie had to help me out, but it's it's definitely going to be a fun, easier approach as opposed to going to a 
orthodontist every couple months, you know. So go over to my IG story. I'll post the link and the promo code is Jesse May. And again, you guys, the impression kit is normally $95. They're going to give it to you for $25 and you're going to get $100 off your aligners. So if you've got a snaggle tooth like Channing Tatum and you want to fix that shit, yes, he does. Google it. Check out Bite. And without further ado, I think I've got all the business out of the way. Let's get to the butter. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Another Grief Survival Guide mini series episode, Relief in the Leaf. Chicka chicka cha. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're beep. listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey, we did it. I've got my setup so good here in my new place. I'm in the bungalow. This is my new New digs, baby cakes. We are here. I just got back from Aruba. And I just truly, honestly, was not very impressed. And this may come off as some real, whatever everybody calls white privilege, um, first world problems. I don't give a fuck. I, I came from a very hardworking family. I come from a very dynamic upbringing and I was in no way shape or form privileged financially my father worked three jobs my mom was a working woman not not, not a working woman (laughs) my mom was a whore Nancy was a slut she was a call girl I I'm relatively well-traveled and very open-minded and I consider myself to be somebody who respects all cultures. I don't have any racist thoughts for the most part. I think everyone's a little bit racist. And I respect other places when I travel. That being said, fuck Aruba. Fuck Aruba for a lot of reasons. One, we still haven't found all of Natalie Holloway. Two, it is literally the place where white bitches go missing. Three... Um, you can't smoke weed there. What? Their slogan is one happy island. How the fuck did you get to happy? A. B. You're an island. What else are we supposed to do? What else are we supposed to do on this island? We can't smoke weed? Then I'm going to have to do heroin. Point blank period. (laughs) I mean... What are we doing here? You, no woman, no cry. Yeah, you know why you don't cry? Because you've got weed. Look at all of Bob Marley's songs. Sun is shining, weather is sweet. Yeah, yeah, because he's stoned. It's 8 a.m. and he smoked a blunt. And it's, by the way, it's cloudy. In his heart, it's the sun is shining. But the actual weather is cloudy with a chance of rain. 
So I don't know how they got to one happy island. I don't know who wrote that. I don't know what person whose job it was to create the slogan for Aruba. Obviously somebody who had never been there. And this is no jab at the Arubans. <laughs> I probably should. I'm just going to sound like a complete fucking asshole uh, not knowing exact uh, A Reuben, right? Is that what we're saying? A Rick Reuben. I, a Reuben sandwich, by the way, was my dad's favorite sandwich, and now I'm kind of craving it. Anyways, I have ADD. Dr. Daniel Amen has has verified that, and we will have a follow-up podcast with him to discuss my brain scan. That's neither here nor there. Let's stay focused. Aruba, it just felt like to me, and this is someone who's, again, I've been to many countries. I've traveled all over the world. It felt like me, like they're culture was tourism. And then I spoke to a local who said 50% of their tourism comes from cruise ships. 50%. You know who rides cruise ships? Fat whiteies. Fat whiteies. Fat whiteies. Can't call them fat. You're fat shaming. No, I'm just saying they're fat whiteies. I've been on cruises and I know I'm a skinny bitch saying this, but it's against my will because I have a hyperactive system and, and, Also, my metabolism is through the roof. I'd be fat, too, with the amount of food that I ate. So I get it, girl. I get the struggle. But the issue is that there's just a bunch of white people who come to this country and don't know how to act. And And then the indigenous and native culture gets completely flooded with our fat American culture. And I never realized how fat we were until I went to Aruba and saw all the fat people. And it made me sad. It made me sad that that was our representation. And it also made me sad for all the food that was going to be eaten that I wasn't going to be able to eat. (laughs) But the other thing that is frustrating about Aruba, besides the fact that everyone was fat, is that you couldn't smoke weed. Didn't stop me. My cousin and I packed a whole bunch of weed. This bitch brought a nugget that was like the size of a major league baseball on the plane right in her purse. I get off the plane and they check my bag. Not like check it. They like looked into it. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Fangul. But in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's Aruba, one happy island. They, This TSA agent will probably just smoke with me. Nope. No, 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 no. Opens my bag. And he's like, what's this? And holds up a joint. And the one thing I've learned about when you're questioned by authority authorities when you get questioned by them is to play dumb and to say less (laughs) sorry I'm burping up my mud water less is literally more sorry I apologize guys I'm gonna keep that in just to keep myself very humble through this experience and my retelling of Aruba less is more when you're being questioned playing dumb and being kind you know, being dumb with a smile. He's like, what's this? And I went, huh? He's literally holding up the joint. He's like, what's this? And I said, huh? He goes, this, is this weed? And I go, oh, that? No, no. And he's like, well, what is it? And I went, huh? (laughs) He goes, this, is this weed? And I said, no, weed? Are you crazy? (gasps) That's CBD. And he goes, did you buy it? Now, my thinking is he's trying to get straight to the point. He's trying to incriminate me. And I'm thinking, well, if I purchase the weed, 
then maybe that's more illegal than if I say I own the weed. So I said, no, actually, I own that. I have a dispensary in LA and it's a sample for my partner. It's a CBD sample. You want it? Then I offer it to him. I'm literally breaking blunt bread with this Aruban TSA agent as to not end up like my fellow sisters and brothers unlocked up abroad. I don't know if any of you remember that nightmarish of a show where people like myself naively traveled other countries without just hitting the Google for a couple minutes, just finger the keys for two seconds, just to say, is weed legal here? No, 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 we're too busy. We're too busy. Okay, we're a little too busy eating sandwiches to be bothered with pertinent information that could save our fucking life. No, didn't Google it. Didn't look it up. Didn't know that weed was going to be a problem on a place where they consider themselves a happy motherfucking island, okay? And so if he's asking me about it, I'm assuming he's trying to incriminate me. And I go, here, have have it. And he kind of giggles. He goes, you know, it's not legal here. And I was like, what? <laughs> like a total Scooby-Doo. <gasps> it's not? What are you talking about, brother? It's got to be legal. There's ocean everywhere. What do you fuckers do in your downtime? Nope. Not legal. And so that really sent me for... It it, it was a doozy. My cousin was having a slight panic attack off to the side, thinking that I'm going to have my hands chopped off here in Aruba. That's probably... The, the price of that crime. But he he lets me go. And again, maybe it's my white privilege. But then I would think if I came and brought this white privilege, that he'd want to teach me a lesson. But maybe he just saw that I was a cool chick and I'm not a Karen and maybe he just let me go on that merit alone. That's neither here nor there. So then I have... Um, I, I wipe up the sweat from every orifice of my body because I, I I definitely shit bricks. Actually, I take that back. I was relatively cool. I'm saying that for a fact, but you know what? I think it's worse that it didn't bother me that I could have died in Aruba because I couldn't Google. I was really not that stressed out. And I think it's because I I honestly have been in the face of so much anxiety inducing things in my life that it's dumbed my response to it that I've become accustomed to managing chaos and I definitely know that I have because and I'll get back to Aruba but please allow my ADD brain to drive this moment as a child I was constantly managing chaos in my house and a lot of it I don't remember and that may be a survival tactic where the brain decides meh you don't need to remember these moments where your parents were yelling and arguing at each other. You don't need to remember that. Why would you want to remember your mother screaming at Joe at 9 a.m. in the morning? But there was a slightly chaotic energy in the household because my mother and father had a, a hard relationship. My dad was a difficult man. So I think that began my journey into my ability to handle chaos. And then, you know, 
my mother moved in the neighbor's dad at a relatively young young age and that's a little chaotic and his ex-wife shot our house with bb guns so it's, that there's more chaos and then her two girls lived in our house at different times so it's a little more chaos and then you know i experienced different at different ages different levels of sexual and emotional abuse there's some more chaos so you grow up and there was you know the uh, the rape and then the attempted a burglary a couple times and um, being attacked on the street and being choked. So those things kind of add up to a little bit of <laughs> a menagerie of armor, if you will, that dumbs me down a little bit in moments where I probably should have a heightened fight or flight response where I'm just like, eh, this will be fine. Oh, am I going to, are they going to decapitate me because I brought a blunt to Aruba? Ha! Ah, it's Tuesday. You know, what What are you going to do? What are you going to do? If it's not today, it's going to be another day. If it's not being decapitated in Aruba, it's being run over by a bus in Venice, California. So, tomato, tomato. But I really, that sort of set the tone for our Aruba trip. Because let me tell you why I went away on vacation. And you guys probably know if you follow me and have you're privy to my life, which I am relatively candid about. I I my ideal vacation was Tulum on a beach with you know I love plants. I have all sorts of plants in my in my house. Just I wanted to be surrounded by nature and quiet, and I did not want to see a fat whitey. I didn't want to hear rap music. I didn't want to hear top 40 or fucking classic rock. I didn't want to hear anything that I know. I wanted my feet in the ocean. I wanted peace. I wanted reflective moments where I could think about the grief I've endured over the past almost six, going on six months and sort of just have a place where I can release all of this built up emotional residue left over from grieving and release it into nature. And what I got was someone telling me I couldn't smoke weed and then I was surrounded by fat white people and a lot of traffic. And it made me a little irate. Okay. And it's my fault. I didn't stand up and say what I wanted to do for vacation. I did what everybody else wanted and I didn't speak up. But the reason why that happened, we went to Aruba. I'm sure a lot of you were like, bitch, you live in LA. Why would you fly to Aruba? Again, I didn't look at a fucking map. A. B, my cousin and I, Allie, you guys will meet Allie. She's a marketing executive at Atlantic Records. Her and I had booked a Tulum trip. We were going to take this healing vacation together. And then my other cousin, Gabby, it's her fucking fault. Gabrielle Peluso, please Google her and send her messages to tell her that she, this is her fault. She, her and her family booked a trip to Aruba. So Allie, the same week Allie and I were going to go to Tulum. So without thinking and without Googling a fucking map, which I highly recommend, which all of you are probably like, yeah, bitch. That's the first thing I do before I go on vacation. I Google to see where it is that I'm traveling to, to 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 see if I actually can make it without having to take planes, trains, automobiles, and a fucking Pegasus to get there in a rickshaw and a handmade raft across the goddamn Mediterranean Sea to end up in a hut 
where there's poisonous titsy flies. I'm sure half of that made sense. Yeah, I'm sure I should have done that, but we didn't. So when Gabby goes, hey, y'all, come to Aruba, we didn't think to go, what side of the world is that on? No, 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 no. We just canceled our entire Tulum trip and booked Aruba. Booked it. Just, yeah, let's go to Rubes. Let's go to Rubes. Let's let out our boobs in Rubes. Fucking stupid. It's a direct flight for four hours from New York. If you're a fat person in, in the state of New York or the East Coast, go to fucking Aruba. You'll enjoy it. And call the, the locals they or them. It's the perfect fucking place for you. If you're like me, not so much. I don't want to go to a vacation where boatloads of fucking people are let off a cruise ship. That's not a vacation. That's colonialism. And I'm not here for that. You know, that's what I said. Aruba's culture is colonialism. And, and you can feel it. They're fucking pissed. They're pissed. that we came in and took them over twice. <laughs> multiple times you know it's it's one thing for people to come and take over a culture chaplain you're stuck in the fucking cord here speaking of being taken over i got a four pound dog oh fangul chap here we go here we go no you can stay no no i see like all my relationships they come in they fuck it up i try and fix it and they leave i it, it it just it's the fact that I couldn't find the Aruban culture that really bothered me. I had to dig it. I had to dig it. I had to find, I had to search and it was still hard to find. And when I found it, it was pissed at me for being there, which I understand rightfully. So it's not like the type of place in New York where it is a melting pot and all these cultures live independently together. And it's a beautiful amalgamation of the world and represented a representative of all the different nations of the world. It was it's a culture that got completely diluted by its ancestors, whiteies. You know what I'm saying? Like first it got taken over and then we came in again with our flip flops and straw brim hats like where is the aruba ariba cocktails we're here for a week and we're going to eat you out of house and home it was for me an exercise in restraint because i'm at this place in my grief and and healing where i do not give a fuck where I am going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And this was a step backwards for me because I didn't, well, maybe, maybe I just got excited to go on a trip and I didn't think about the fact that a, that any place could suck right now because we've been in quarantine. And let me, let me, let me preface this. I probably should have prefaced this with, I realize a lot of people can't even afford to travel right now, emotionally, spiritually, or financially. So I do feel fortunate that I'm able to do that. That being said, it was a fucking nightmare but also okay because I spent time with my family who I rarely get to see. That was the best part of it. Everything else is what sucked and what wasn't what my soul needed. And I think when you're grieving, it's important to identify and recognize the things you need in order to heal and to, and to allow yourself the space and time to accommodate those 
entities, whatever they are, whether it's peace and quiet, whether it's community, whether it's sleeping or exercise, whatever it is you need to facilitate your healing, it is you you it's it's Im- imperative that you find a place and space for that. And it's a constant struggle and I it really was an exercise and restraint for me on vacation because I wasn't where my soul needed to be. And so I had to actively create my internal vacation. I had to actively create a paradise within. And it made me realize like, oh, that's that's a true oasis. The true oasis and the true vacation and the permanent mindset of being on vacation is created from within. So the real gift of this whole trip was me learning how to exercise that muscle and learning how to create peace within when there's chaos outside of myself because that I can carry with me everywhere. Aruba stays in Aruba and chaos will always be plentiful. Chaos will always be around you but the peace that you create within that is something that can lead you to emotional redemption and emotional freedom and and truly bleed into all aspects of your life so while the purpose of the trip was to relief relieve my grieving I learned how to process chaos and how to internalize peace on a molecular level, on a meditative level, on a level that I will be able to use for the rest of my life. Because the reality is you're responsible for your own output. And your output has a butterfly butterfly effect on everyone's life. So it literally is your duty to figure out how to create that peace within so that you can put that out into the universe so that you can be available to other people, friends, family members in a way that is present, calm, and from a place of love, not functioning from chaos, fear, and a place of hate. And so I learned that on this trip and I'm forever grateful for that experience because it's something that I have struggled with my entire life because I grew up in chaos and I was always managing the chaos and I never really realized or learned how to create peace because once you create peace, you no longer need to manage the chaos. The chaos becomes external to your person. The chaos, the chaos becomes a fly on your shoulder as opposed to a storm it becomes, it, it, it doesn't even become a fly. It's just like a, a, a slice of your hair dropping on your forehead. You become unbothered by it. And that's, that's when you can achieve true fucking peace. And I'm sure some of you are like, well, how do you do that? You act like it's so easy. It's not easy. And it's not just like an on-off sh- switch, but it is in the sense of the epiphany of, the realization that that is a responsibility of my of my own and a skill to acquire and i think it's something that happens over years of like i said having managed and dealt with so much trauma and constant external stimuli that was toxic and 
just people and things and, and conversations and, and events and trauma and abuse, constantly having to manage that and to process that. And also eventually coming into to therapy. You know, I did therapy in New York City for years, processing my rape. And then opening myself up to like-minded people and people who are on a path of internal and emotional and and evolution of the self, do you start to realize those are things and ways of living that are possible for you? It takes a while to get to this place. I'm not in any way saying this is just an easy way to exist. It has come (laughs) after a multitude of traumatic events and loss that I have come to a place where I realize, oh, internal peace is possible in the face of chaos. And it, 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 it makes me want to bawl my eyes out because the price of that revelation is so heavy. The, the amount of things that I have gone through and, and withstood and faced is really fucking heavy. You know, if I look backwards, if I do like a flash backward time-lapsed image of my life, there's been a lot of fucking bumps in the road. <laughs> and the most recent one being losing my last parent, my mother, my closest connection to my you know, my maternal spirit and my feminine side. That was a really fucking brutal and heavy icing on my traumatic cake. My cake of loss. I'm not crying. My nose is running. I know it's not COVID because I've had a thousand tests. But it's that loss, the magnitude of that loss just shook shook me to my core and that's why I needed this vacation and and everything to not sound too cliche everything does sort of maybe not everything happens for a reason but you find the lessons in everything if you're open to them if you have your eyes open and I'm somebody who sort of lives that way where something may be challenging but I know through this challenge and on the other side of the challenge there's going to be a lesson and a gift and a miracle revealed to me And I guess the loss of my mom, the gift is something that I think of my friend Whitney Cummings texting me to make sure that I, when my heart breaks, that it breaks open. And it has. And I think to my point of trying to figure out how to tell you guys how to achieve this internal peace, you just have to get raped and lose your mom. It's that simple. There she is. You just have to get raped and then lose your mom. It's really that simple. It's the simplest thing ever. You know, you got to get humbled. And it's not like you need to actively go out and get humbled, but maybe recognize moments instead of victimizing yourself to the event, learn that there's an opportunity for you to receive a gift And the greatest gift life has given me is to be humbled. Just a big old slice of humble pie. Because it endears me to other people's struggle. 
And that's the thing that really can unify people in society is being endeared to people's struggle, being empathetic to people's trauma. And not that that's your other people's shit is your responsibility, but at least knowing and stepping out in the world going, I'm going to meet some people today who are having it hard, so I'm just going to smile. Now, sometimes I can get a bitch attacked in an alley, but more often than not, if you can lead with a smart foot and, and have some you know survivor eyes, you can spread some love in the world. And that's all I really want to do. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And it's just been me taking these punches from life to realize that through all of that pain, that there is and are gifts and miracles. And I guess the gift from my trip, I sound like such a bitch. Oh my God, you guys, Aruba sucked. sound like such a fucking cunt but I'm coming to you from a place of having endured so much over these 38 years of my life that I just wanted to fucking put my fucking feet in the fucking sand and 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 have some peace and fucking quiet and release the tension from the past six fucking months and instead I learned how to digest and manipulate that frustration that, you know, unrequited request from my soul. I learned how to manufacture that into some form of peace. And damn, if if it wasn't one of the best trips of my life. <laughs> for that learning lesson, just for that that one little tidbit of information where I just, it must be how Buddha felt. It's like my own personal enlightenment where everyone's doing all this other stuff and, you know, people are drinking and acting, acting obnoxious and there's kids and, and, and fatties and fucking, you know, just sloppy people. I was able to create an oasis within and that should be the goal for most people. My amazing life coach and AKA therapist, Brett Costin, always talks about people needing to not, people shouldn't hope outside of themselves. And I think that's a really good lesson. And it's, a, it's also similar to creating internal peace. It's another way of of saying that. If you don't hope outside of yourself, you need nothing. If you need nothing, you find peace. That's a principle of Buddhism and truly one of the ways I can quantify how I have achieved what I have achieved is to need and want less and to realize, and I say this and I bought a Prada bag in Aruba, (laughs) I say this as I purchased a a Prada bag, but I also was, you know, celebrating. I was celebrating. Yes, I bought a Prada bag, but I was celebrating because your bitches thrived through a difficult time. But it, it, if you can get to a place where you don't hope somebody does something or you don't hope somebody says something or you don't hope you get the job or hope tomorrow's nice or hope that they show up on time or hope that your check clears. If you don't 
Well, maybe that last one I understand. But the rest of them, you're putting your fate in other people's hands. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. When you hope outside of yourself, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. That's that's Brett Costin 101 and Life 101. So you have to find a place within yourself to create calm. And you have to learn what triggers you to want more and to need more and adjust accordingly. And it might start with you having to get rid of some people in your life. You might be surrounded by people who don't represent a positive outlook and who don't, who who just want, want, want and take, take, take and, and don't have a collaborative spirit or the ability to produce on their own. And they just are emotional and otherwise some type of vampire. All of life can become a vampire if you let it. And it's your job to preserve your internal self to create that place of peace. And I did that in Aruba. And I think it's because my cousin and I were able to smoke weed in behind palm trees. We did. We got yelled at a couple times. We went to Flamingo Beach. I don't know if you guys saw the videos on my IG. I'll post some more this week and weekend. But we stayed at the Renaissance, which I have a real problem with because online... They said it was on the beach and there are all these fucking flamingos and it looked like a beachfront property with a beachfront hotel room. We get there. I'm across a busy street. I'm in a fucking mall. My balcony overlooked a fucking parking lot with stray dogs everywhere and people yelling and cars and sirens and honking till three fucking a.m. I'm sorry if I'm mad that I spend a few grand on your false advertisement and I'm not done fighting the Renaissance in Aruba. I'm sorry. You guys falsely advertised and if you want to come at me come at me but don't because I'm a good person I'm just frustrated because I lost my mom and went through a lot and I just was looking to put my fucking toes in the sand I didn't realize that a boat was gonna have to come into the mall to take me to Flamingo fucking beach where I'd be yelled at for smoking a blunt on said beach I'm sorry this is supposed to be vacation what do you people do black tar heroin (sighs) I should have I probably should have smoked a little before I did this podcast (laughs) We got yelled at. I brought a little joint and my cousin's smoking it and a waiter comes over. Yes, Mar. That was his name. He goes, excuse me, what are you smoking? And she did. She learned from watching me at the airport. She goes, huh? He's like, what are you smoking? And she said, who? He goes, that in your hand. Is that weed? She goes, this? No, this is CBD. And he looks around. He goes, oh, well, there's kids here. And? And? When did that ever stop parents from taking cowboy cocksucker shots or having 14 martinis at noon. So because there's children, I shouldn't be smoking weed? Uh, Au contraire, yes, Mar. Because there's children, I should be smoking weed. How am I going to handle the stress of the children's chaos? I burped away from the microphone that time. I, I, at that point, when we got yelled at a second time for the weed, I really said, fuck Aruba. I said, fuck Aruba. Truly and uh, just literally fuck Aruba. So her and I smoked a little, you know, and then we went and hung out with flamingos and she got her tit bit by a flamingo. Even the flamingos are pissed in Aruba. They're like one happy island. My ass. Her tit probably looked like a shrimp, but it still was rude. 
I, I found myself every day having to manage my disappointment and it evolved into peace. And there's my process to get there is going to be different than your process. But just know that that is, a, it should be a goal of yours. You should add that to, on your to-do list to, to figure out how to create the internal peace. Get away from managing the chaos and evolve into just having peace. And, and my cousin even said, she's like, you're so calm. By the end of the week, she thought I, I was so calm, she thought I was mad. Get to a place where you're so calm, people are confused. <laughs> because it's a reflection of their own spinning and chaotic existence that they can't understand or comprehend the level you're on. And, you know, it, it just, it's a sort of situation where you have to really really recognize that there is a huge difference and in, in, it's a difference between being miserable or being free and I feel real freedom now For, I feel like I'm on a different level of my grief you know it's it, it, there is a relief and I don't know how long I'll be in this stage you know of relief and leaf because it's such a revolving process but I do feel that I've come on the other side of something I feel like I even though I still am experiencing a lot of anxiety at night which we've talked about before I I, I do feel a relief that isn't doused in any sort of guilt and that's that that's important for people to know that while you're going through a grieving process, that there is a lot of guilt surrounding it that they nobody talks about and that that's okay. And that when you feel relief from that, that that is even better. And so for me now, I'm still, you know, there's still times when my brain quiets down at night you know, those wee hours of the night right before sleep or right after waking up when you're still like, your brain is still in theta mode and you're you're not quite on all cylinders yet. Where the realization, the, the revelation of my life now, parentless, I'm a fucking orphan, sets in. It sets in like, like someone turning on a light in a dark room. It, it, it's all encompassing and it, it becomes a little, it, there's anxiety there. But during the day, I'm feeling more present. I'm feeling calmer. I'm feeling less affected by other people's shit. And not even less affected in a way like, God, what's your deal? Less affected in a way like, what'd you say? I'm not even paying attention to your chaos. It's almost like I've lost the ability to process it because I'm not outputting it. And then it makes me wonder about, you know, how my standup is going to evolve. And Dr. Daniel Amon and I have discussed this through our brain scans and everything. And, you know, the, one of my worries was, what if my broken brain is the thing that makes me funny? And he said, you're you're still going to be who you are, but better because you'll be clearer. And, and this is me without, I'm not on Renalyn. I'm not, you know, I've just started getting back into my healthy 
routine, but also it is within this revelation of relief, relief in the leaf. And you know, yeah, I want to travel with weed, Aruba. Okay. It's, it's helped me get to this point. I don't abuse it. I use it when I feel like I, I need to just get level and it sound like a crackhead. <laughs> but it truly helped me on the trip. And, you know, you guys know me. I don't, I don't, I don't smoke a whole blunt. And that makes some of you really fucking irate, which is ironic because the whole culture is about chilling and you're like trying to control how I consume. Well, that's a reflection of your own chaos that you can't figure out. I honestly, Allie and I just we have that in common where we just love the leaf. We love the flower. And, you know, the third time we got in trouble smoking on the trip was when we were smoking on our balcony. And this was hilarious. We were in our hotel room and we didn't understand physics or the law of physics or science, more more or less chemistry, if you will. Wind direction. Uh, meteorology. We didn't understand meteorology. So we're smoking on the balcony and we have the door, balcony door open and we didn't realize that all that wind is going to do, much like fire, is find an exit. And so the wind follows and flows right through the f- crack on the bottom of the door, pulling all of our weed out down the hallway like some sort of concubine of cannabis. And we're not even thinking. We're just smoking and laughing and being loud, annoying Americans. And then we get back in the room and we're fucking hanging out and we hear a knock on the door. And then I'm like, oh, shit, this isn't good because it's like midnight. Something happened. So I put a robe on and we quiet down and I answer the door. I'm like, hello, like I just woke up, which is fine because I'm stoned. And my eyes literally look like I just woke up, woke woke up. And the guy's like, um, are you smoking weed in there? It's a, it's a hall monitor, a fake phone, a phone, a cop. And I go, what? He's like, are you smoking weed? And I said, huh? He goes, weed. I smell weed. I was like, oh, yeah, I do, too. You know, the neighbors were blasting music for a few hours. You might want to check on them. And then I shut the door. (laughs) Cha-ching. Fuck you, Aruba. My mom died. Let me have my moment. At that point, I just, I decided it wasn't one happy island. It was one crappy island. And that's not to say some of you won't find it amusing and fun and you should go and definitely enjoy it because there's some place for everybody in this world. And it's also okay for me to not fucking like a place. Oh, she's anti-Aruba. Stop the Aruba hate. Fuck off. Fuck off with that. Just take that fuckery someplace else. Take your chaotic approach to life someplace else. I cannot like a place. And by the way, to quote Tina Fey, just because I decide I don't like something doesn't mean it's empirically not good. Aruba's great to somebody. She's not good to me. So fuck Aruba. It's one crappy island. That's why I had to get the fuck off with my Prada bag (laughs) that I bought because there were low low sales tax. So in that case, it's one happy island. The rest of the reasons, fuck off. But I also had the best shrimp tacos I've had of my life at this place called Lucy's across the street from the Renaissance Aruba Hotel, the marina side, which basically looked like I was back home in fucking Marina Del Rey. The shrimp tacos with the pow pow sauce at Lucy's were the best shrimp tacos I've ever had that was amazing and also was fun to use my Spanish again which my my cousin complimented me on 
She's like, how do you, how do you know Spanish so well? It, I don't know. It just bartending at Puffy's with oh, all of my friends. We used to speak Spanish. Me and the barbacks, Fernando, Bernardo, Ricardo. And we, I would do this character called Hector. Hector Gonzalez. And it todo está bien, todo está bien, todo por Jesus. Todo por Jesus. I, I just, I loved fucking around with my barbacks, my Mexican barbacks in New York when I worked at Puffy's. So I was able to utilize some of that broken Spanish in Aruba, which was fun. But the rest of it can fuck off. But again, it gave me one of the greatest gifts. It gave me one of the greatest gifts I have ever received, and that is the gift of learning or the actualization of internal peace and calm. And it's not an exact science. It's not like I'm just, oh, oh, I'm not like Tina Turner after she leaves Ike. Okay, I don't have like a fucking mantle that I'm praying to every day, which I'm going to start to build in my house now, but I'm not putting out the air that I'm reached pure enlightenment. I obviously I'm still irate. I've said fuck you Cuba. <laughs> Cuba, fuck Aruba. Cuba, that's my type of trip. Aruba, that's where girls go on a trip and they'd never return because they've been thrown off the side of a cliff. So, I guess the most important thing to realize is that through the processes of grief I've experienced in this moment a little bit of relief you know um I've had a couple more signs of my mom I think I spoke about a little bit but I was unpacking and there's this frame I have of my mom I have to grab it real quick let me grab it because you just have to see this hold on hold on guys let me get it real quick It's too good. So I was moving and unpacking everything. Debbie was helping me. If you're watching the video, you can see how fucking burnt I am. Um, and I have these frames that my mom made of us from just random things. So she's got this picture. And again, if you want to watch us, just go on the YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. Um, she made photos, you know, you can do photos onto canvas. There's one of Karina and Elliot. And then when my mom came to visit, there's one of us on the beach in Venice, a selfie I took. And I've, I've had these up in my previous apartment. And then when I moved to my house, I, you know, I took them down off the wall and I packed them up. But I took them down off the wall and, and put them away and everything was fine. And there's this one. My mom and I at the top of, well, close to the top of uh, Sequoia National Park in California, which her and I drove to one day. It was like a six, five hour drive from LA, I believe. And we drove there and went to see General Sherman's tree, which is a, I think a 2000 old, 2000 year old tree. One of the oldest trees, one of the largest trees in the world, I believe, and we got to see that together. And so I've had these photos up in my previous apartment. And when I moved to my house, I unpacked them and put them up. And, I, you know, obviously this transition was hard for me because I want to be there for my sister. I wanted to 
stay in New York and I don't know. I, I guess I romanticized moving back to Syracuse and maybe helping my sister heal and reconnecting with my childhood and finding a place where I could exist home. And I think a part of me wanted to do that to hang on to my mom. And oh, this is so hard to say. Um, one of the hardest lessons, but the most important lessons of life that I've learned through grief is that sometimes in order to truly heal, you have to in some way, shape, or form let go. And so, damn it, I made it this fucking far in the podcast, you guys. <laughs> I feel like I'm crying every fucking episode, but this is a grief miniseries, so I I think I wanted to stay home as a way to hang on to her. And then I realized, and you should realize, you don't need to grasp so tightly to something that's already a part of you. That trust that it will be a part of you forever. Whether it's a friend, an aunt, a mom, a dad. Or pieces of yourself. You don't need to hold on so tight to something that's already holding on to you. So, when I unpacked these photos, something fell out from behind. My mom was always tucking notes and things. God damn, this is so hard. (laughs) She was always tucking notes into things and I found this. I never had, I've had these frames for over a year. We, she gave these to me in 2019. And this just fell out a couple weeks ago. And it's Friday the 12th. She always would write a date. She said, hi, sweetheart. I can't wait to hug you. I've missed you so very, very much. I had this photo printed on canvas for you, Em, and myself. I wrote quarantine team on the back of mine. Stay safe. Stay home as much as you can. I love you to the moon and back. XXXXXOOO mommy. So maybe she gave this to me in early 2020 when the quarantine happened. So I've had it for about a year. But I don't know which photo it is. I think it was this one. It could have been the one of her her and I on the beach. And it could have been the one of Kareen and Elliot. But she wrote quarantine team on the back of hers. And so now I get to go home and find a new treasure. That's what this felt like. It felt like a fucking treasure. And I wasn't even expecting it. And it felt like she was talking to me. It felt like a new conversation with her. And I guess the point is, don't close yourself off to miracles. Don't think you have it all figured out. I think we get convoluted in our quest to find answers that we don't realize that the true freedom lies in the acknowledgement of the fact that we know nothing. And the more you can unlearn things, 
unlearn how you've been taught to live in th- in things in life, the more you can be open to miracles. Like this little note that was on this fucking frame for however long and it just happened to fall out when I least expected it but most needed it. And I choose to believe that this is a sign and I think and I believe that I will continue to find treasures from her throughout my life because she's with me forever. And and I know that it's okay to feel relief and that I know it's okay to feel grief. And that I also know that those two things can be mutually exclusive. That I can be grieving and also feel a relief in that process. So, I guess my question to you is, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? Because once you let go, you create space for peace within. And I guess that's the way I... I've done it. I, you know, I said earlier, I don't know how to quantify how I've done it, but I just realized in this moment, the way I was able to create space for peace within was by letting go of things that no longer served me. So figure out how to do that for yourself. And right now I'm going to put my slippers on and go smoke my morning blunt because I earned it. Um, I appreciate you guys so much and just... Fuck Aruba. (laughs) Uh, Fuck Aruba. But I love you guys. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.